It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Looks like Auburn football got screwed by CBS yet again. How does that impact recruiting? Also, where does Auburn stand with some of their top targets? Well, Zach, I, I actually just finished crushing some chicken farm, and I am freaking ready to rock and roll. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby. Thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. Today's guest, someone that we love way more than our friends at CBS, John Garcia, the recruiting director at Sports Illustrated and Locked On Recruiting Insider. John, news came out yesterday, um, Wednesday morning, that Auburn would be kicking off against Penn State on September 17th at 2.30. Many of us assumed this would be a night game. Auburn went up to Happy Valley a year ago. They had a ton of recruits there because the atmosphere was electric. Auburn was looking forward to kind of getting their turn to court some of these guys, you know, maybe have some official visits, a ton of unofficial visits to see what Jordan-Hare Stadium had to offer in a non-conference matchup. They don't get that. Does that actually matter as much as recruiting, or is that just something fans like to say? It's probably a bit of both, Zach. Uh, certainly from a atmospheric standpoint, yeah. I mean, obviously, we all saw what, what it looked like last year uh, at night. So the chance to reciprocate that, is certainly something that, you know, I certainly look forward to. And, and it's understandable how that's like the ideal setting, um, you know, an, an evening game, national spotlight. It gets dark right around halftime. And, and that second half becomes just the loudest thing you ever heard. Uh, that matters in, in recruiting. Now, will it still be freaking loud? Yeah, of course it, sure. it will. And it, it'll still be good. But I think where it hurts you from a recruiting standpoint, beyond the atmosphere itself is the logistics. Uh, the, the later the game, the more time for kids and their families to get on the road. I mean, 99% of these kids are playing on Friday nights. Uh, the games last till 10 or 11 o'clock. You're beat up. You're banged up. You want to eat. You want to get some sleep. So if you got to hit the road before lunchtime the following morning, it's just a little bit harder. Um, and those night yeah. games afford you just more time to get there and, and, and hit the road, uh, particularly if you think of where Auburn recruits from, if you're recruiting a kid from Louisiana or Miami or, you know, somewhere in Florida, it just takes that much longer. So you would have a little bit more flexibility in getting there ahead of a night game versus a 2.30 kick. Um, but look, for official visitors, it won't really change anything. Those kids are flown in on Auburn's dime. Uh, yeah. So if you're still building up for a big weekend there, the front end of it can still be accomplished. Uh, but yeah, you know, it, it does feel a little unfortunate for Auburn uh, just in terms of an ideal home setting uh, to, to not have that game at night, but uh, it, it's football, right? You got to adjust uh, and go from there. So I, I still think it'll be a huge recruiting weekend on the planes. And, and again, those official visitors aren't affected and those are still the most important. Sure. Right. Yeah. I mean, just this being a year where Auburn doesn't get Georgia or Alabama at home, I think they were kind of looking at Penn state to kind of, you know, have another opportunity to have as many kids as possible on campus. And so now your biggest ones, you got a chance for maybe an LSU home game, maybe a Texas A&M home game. But after that, I mean, as far as the, just how attractive the opponent is like Arkansas at night doesn't quite have the same ring as a Penn state or an LSU or a Texas A&M. 
Yeah, that's that's one hundred percent true. And, and look, it's the SEC West. There's there's a ton of great teams. I mean, I You're was right. You're just right. talking to a colleague, and it's like I don't even know who's gonna. I know. I think I know who's gonna win it. But after yeah. that, it's crazy. I mean, I'm like any of these teams could be second or last in the West. Mm-hmm. It could be that competitive this year. So I do think that will create plenty of, of great atmospheres across the division. But yeah, when you go outside of it and you want to, you know, it becomes an SEC, a conference thing versus a Big Ten team, you do want as much appeal as humanly possible, especially when your marquee rivals aren't coming to campus. But like I said, it'll still be electric there. You know, we've all been to games there. It is, it is one of the best places in the country for a reason. And I think they'll light it up for Penn State. Yeah, it'll be fun. Even at 2.30, it'll be fun. All right, yeah. let's talk a little Cruton, John. Connor Stroh, the offensive tackle from Frisco, Texas, took an official visit to the Plains this past weekend. Of course, you know, on his exit interviews with a lot of the local reporters, it was all positive, but it always is. What What do we know about what happened? Yeah, I haven't heard a recruit say they hated a visit since, uh, I think, Bo Scarborough at Notre Dame because it snowed and he was like, I don't know about this, uh, but usually very positive. And, sure. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, and it's it's the case with Connor Stroh. But look, it wasn't his first time on campus, and that's certainly encouraging for AU, as is the fact that this was his first official visit. I think every, it seems like there's a, a notion right now with these seniors that aren't the, the most you know, highly rated kids, everyone else. So 90% of these kids there's like an urgency to take a bunch of visits in May and June and make a decision before the season. And Connor is one of those kids that's kind of on that timeline. So in that light, you're going to take four visits in let's say five weekends. So just from a, a fatigue standpoint, getting the first trip is a really nice deal. You're kind of the table setter from a visit perspective. Um, And Auburn was really all in on him during this trip. I, I was thinking of, other schools that had big official visit weekends, it's four, five, six kids. It was just Stroh at, at Auburn. Uh, so I think when you talk about the intimacy and the time with multiple coaches, when it's just one official visitor, there's no spring practice going on. There's no game planning going on like there will be, you know, ahead of Penn State, a little bit more stress for Brian Harson and company. It's all about recruiting one kid and one family. That's the ideal way to, to get that first official visit. So I do think – on Auburn's end, they've, they've lined it up uh, pretty smartly here uh, yep. organizationally just to position itself in that light. Uh, and then, you know, his list of schools is changing too, right? It was a top five. All of a sudden he axes Florida from his official visit schedule and his list of schools kind of out of nowhere. So it becomes a, a four-program race, you know, that quickly. So I think that's great news Uh, For Auburn, you know, obviously the in-state schools are going to factor in for a Texas kid. But when you start to look at the out-of-state bubble, you know, that's another contender that that Auburn doesn't have to deal with, with the Florida Gators. So I do think that's a good thing, uh, especially, again, for a kid who's going to commit here in in the next couple of months. So now, in theory, you've built a lead. How long can that be sustained as these other trips go down? Uh, That's the million-dollar question. But look, Auburn needs offensive linemen. In, in the worst way, I would say nationally, they're, they're among the teams that need them the most. Um, and that resonates. You know, linemen are, are very much old school in how they handle recruiting. It's very business-like. Uh, so if you are going to leave the state of Texas, this type of situation would make sense uh, for Connor Stroh, who's got some versatility. He can be a guard or a tackle. So I'm, I'm curious to see how other teams sell him positionally. 
yeah. versus what Auburn is saying when, when they're like, hey, we need guys everywhere. So it maybe right. could be, you know, a bit of a blessing, uh, at least from a recruiting standpoint. So I think you're in good shape there if you're an Auburn fan. Uh, but obviously you got to kind of sit back and, and wait and see who catches up. Yeah, his top five was Auburn, Arkansas, Florida, Texas, and A&M. Uh, as you mentioned, seems like Florida's out of it. So down to Auburn, Arkansas, Texas, and Texas A&M. But, you know, this guy... He's not, I mean, he's not like this stud of an offensive tackle. I think he's pretty good, and I think, you know, he has traits, but, like, he's not, you know, a unanimous four-star across the board or anything like that. But it seems like Auburn's kind of treating him as if he is. Are the other programs doing that? Yeah, I, I think it'd be hard for A&M to do it, and I think that's why, you know, schools sure. out of the state are feeling like they've got some upside. Texas just signed seven O-linemen last year. Mm -hmm. uh, that NIL deal they have for linemen is amazing, though, so we certainly – understand that you know he's a frisco kid so he's a little bit closer to austin than, than a m so i think a m is probably um a little bit on the outside looking in relative uh, to some of the others uh yeah. so arkansas auburn and texas i think in particular are, are probably in the best shape here uh because a m's in it for a, a, every big offensive tackle prospect and that's the other thing that's why i said i think it will be interesting to see positionally where we're looking at him at relative to the schools. Cause I do think he's got some guard or right tackle flexibility. Um, but if he's, you know, one of these kids that's like, Hey, I have to play tackle uh, then maybe that will affect his decision accordingly. So it, it will be interesting, but yeah, like you said, there, there are guys higher on the board at other schools relative to probably Auburn and Arkansas in particular that are more like, Hey, we trust what we look at first. Um, you know, in the recruiting process. And they're probably not targeting as many linemen as, as a Texas A&M, which is probably a good thing for, for Connor Stroh. Sure, absolutely. Connor Stroh, the six foot six, 345-pound uh, tackle from Frisco, Texas. All right, in just a moment, John, I want to get your thoughts on um, an in-state prospect. And there's a detail about his recruitment that makes me think there's no way this guy doesn't pick the Auburn Tigers. But first, I got to tell you about our friends at Built Bar. Look, they've got this new puff, and we talked about the birthday cake puffs uh, for weeks here on the show, but they now have brownie batter puffs, and the way they describe these things, it's just like licking the brownie batter out of the bowl, except it's packed with protein, not a ton of sugar, it's low calorie. How can you beat that? You can't. You can't. And you've heard me talk about built products for years, and I can't wait to get my hands on some of these built brownie puffs. So be sure to check out these and all the other flavors are constantly rotating things in and out at built.com. And be sure to use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your order. That is promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. John Garcia, our guest, the next guy I want to talk about with you, Jeremiah Cobb, a four-star running back up from Montgomery, just about 45 minutes away from the Plains. Put out a top six, John. Auburn, Clemson, Georgia, Tennessee, LSU, and Texas. And there's some heavy hitters there, especially when you look at running back 
and, and all that. The fact that Georgia wants you as a running back, I think that's pretty telling. But his main recruiters appear to be Zach Gethridge and Cadillac Williams. And it's just like, if you're an Auburn fan wanting this guy, like what else do you want? How else would you go after him other than putting Zach Gethridge and Cadillac Williams on him? Yeah, th- those are great starting points uh, for the Tigers. And look, I think when you look at, okay, how, how does Auburn have a, you know, plant the flag moment in, in recruiting? There's really two methods. Okay. Go head to head with Bama and win. And that's, you know, maybe Jaleel Hurley's that guy on the front sure. end and we'll see how it develops with other guys. Or go against, you know, schools from the outside looking in, trying to come into Alabama, like a Texas A&M, like an LSU, like a Georgia, which has had consistency in doing so over the years. And I think that's where this Jeremiah Cobb recruitment becomes really important uh, for the Tigers. Uh, As you mentioned, a great list of programs. I mean, a lot of, a lot of rings and and running back production with, with those schools uh, in that group. Uh, But look, Auburn is right in the thick of this. I think a lot of times we look at top groups and you just kind of play the rankings game. You're like, okay, well it's schools number one and then two, three, four, five. Look, Georgia's got, Yes, they're high on Cobb. They're high on a lot of backs. They're going to take two in this cycle. Most people feel like Justice Haynes is a lock. And then after that, they're in on Richard Young, Cedric Batster, Jeremiah Cobb. They just offered Roderick Robinson, another Auburn target. There's a lot of other backs that are really high on UGA as well. So will there be a spot for Cobb when he's ready to decide? I'm not sure. I think the bigger threat could be the other Tigers. Uh, Well, there's two other Tigers, but the Clemson one, the ACC Tigers in this race because – Talking to him the last time I seen him, Zach, he was really excited about Auburn, the in-state school. That's certainly the pull locally that that he was looking for, and and he does feel like a priority there. And as you mentioned, Cadillac recruiting him is—I mean, that's about as good as it gets. Right. But the school he wanted to hear more from was Clemson, which finally offered him a scholarship in the middle of May. Uh, so he's reciprocated that with some visits and stuff like that. So I do think the battle could be. Auburn versus Clemson there uh, in the end. Now, what, what's unclear with Jeremiah right now is the timeline. I do think that there's some flexibility there. Like I said earlier, most prospects want to get it done before the season begins. I think that's probably what Cobb will do, but it's not set in stone yet. So if you're an Auburn fan, you're rooting for sooner rather than later. If he does follow that timeline, I think you feel pretty good. If it yeah. extends into the season, I think he takes more visits. He gets out to Clemson. Maybe Tennessee becomes a factor. You know, two of his teammates signed with the Vols uh, just last cycle. So that could be something to keep an eye on. He also has teammates at at Clubson as well. Montgomery Catholic's a great program that has kids everywhere, obviously. So, you know, I don't know how big of a factor that will be, but the longer it goes, that's where Tennessee and Texas, maybe LSU can make some headway. But on the front end, I'm viewing this as Auburn versus Clemson with a sprinkle of Georgia relative to how the rest of their board shakes up. And again, you want to plant the flag, you keep Jeremiah Cobb home. There's a lot of other targets in state that you're going to be in a similar race for. uh, But I think he's one of of the ones you feel best about if you're an Auburn fan at this moment. Uh, And again, especially if he moves up that timeline and starts to think about a commitment here in the next few weeks, then, then you feel even better about it. I mean, this is a guy they can, I mean, you got Zach Gethridge and Carnell Williams saying, hey, you could start in the SEC as a true freshman. We all assume take Bigsby will be in the NFL after this season. Um, yeah, he, and, you know, he could. Yeah, I mean, and I think, you know, the, the biggest opponent of that would be Jarquez Hunter. And, you know, I don't know exactly how much of a lead back he is. I think he's a good role player, a good piece of the offense. But even then, like you get 50% of the market share when it comes to carries. Like what a what a pitch. 
Yeah, and, and Cobb's a little bit bigger, a little bit more comfortable catching the, a lot more comfortable catching the ball out of the backfield relative to Hunter, who's more of a one-cut guy, yeah. um, hard hard runner, pound for pound. But you know, Cobb's Cobb's production last year was was unbelievable, over two thousand yards uh, for the Knights there uh, at Montgomery Catholic, and and I think his build is built uh, for the SEC as well. Hunter, a little you know, slimmer type of back, so they really could complement one another. In an offense like Auburn's, I, I certainly don't think he'd get a ton of carries as a freshman at Georgia. Uh, Clemson's got a couple of good young backs. We're still waiting to figure out a little bit more there, which is why, again, I think if it goes into the season, he'll get a better idea for that yeah. Clemson angle, and that could hurt Auburn uh, in a certain light. So I think the ability to, to stay close to home, play early, and again, that Cadillac element cannot be undersold. Uh, in the recruiting process, you know, him having been there and done that says a ton uh, for recruits. You know, I think when when you're you're growing up in Montgomery, you obviously know a ton about Auburn and the history. But yeah. to then be recruited by one of those guys, it, it does hit different. Many kids have said that. And I know Jeremiah feels the same way. Sure. John Garcia, our guest, talking all things Auburn recruiting today. In just a moment, I want to get John's thoughts on really just the, the timeline, interesting timeline, interesting series of events when it comes to an Auburn target right here on Locked On Auburn. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. And thank you so much for making Locked on Auburn your first listen every single day. John, I want to talk about Anthony James for a moment. This four-star defensive lineman was committed to Texas A&M. Auburn offers him. And then two days later, he decommits. Um, is that just a happy coincidence? <laughs> or um, I don't know. There's not a whole lot of coincidences, uh, coincidences in, when it comes to recruiting, I don't think, but would love your thoughts on this. Yeah. I mean, James had, had been committed uh, to, to A&M for over a year yeah. uh, at this point. And I do think there's two things that I think spurred part of the move, at least from an outside perspective. Like you said, he, he continued to pick up a couple of offers, Auburn being there three days before he decommits. But he was also beginning to take visits. And I think that's what, you know, could really move things towards a, a decommitment. Uh, he was up at Washington. He's planning to get to Miami and Florida, maybe Auburn thereafter. Uh, so he, he kind of, I think, felt a second wave of, hey, I'm, I'm kind of coveted uh, all over the country yeah. all of a sudden, even though I've been committed to A&M so long. And those, that's why early commitments are so uh, are, are received with so many mixed reviews because it's like, man, now we got to hold on to him for such a long time. And then during the time that AM had him committed, they signed the best class in the country that was really loaded up front from a pass rusher and defensive line perspective, where of sure. course Anthony James lines up. So from a business perspective, you you have to understand what you could be up against when you do uh, get to college station for good. So it, the decommitment here made a lot of sense. Uh, and typically you don't go back to the school you backed off of the commitment from. So I think Washington, Miami, Florida, and Auburn are schools that are, are going to benefit from this the most. Uh, but you also have to think of uh, how he's going to go through the process this time around. I do think he's a little bit more patient, takes yeah. his time. Uh, and that's a good thing for Auburn because I don't think he's ever been to the Plains 
Uh, he just got the offer, uh, you know, May 19th. So it just, it's also recent for him. Um, Jimmy Brumba, we talked about great Auburn assistants who have been there, done that. I mean, Jimmy Brumba can, can sell similar uh, at a school uh, like Auburn. So I think that will resonate with, with a kid like Anthony James down the line. And, and you get him on campus for a visit and, and you go from there. Yeah. And we've heard good things about Jimmy Brumble already with guys specifically in the transfer portal going up to Memphis and Oregon. So um, some ads there. Last guy that I want to talk to you about today, John, Dakari Nelson, the safety slash defensive back from Selma, Alabama. About a month ago, put out his top five, Clemson, Penn State, Oregon, Kentucky, Tennessee, and Auburn. Um, where is this guy as far as, um, you know, potentially being an Auburn Tiger one day? Yeah, he's, he's a really interesting recruit, uh, more of a quiet kid, has not taken a ton of visits. I believe he's only been to Auburn once, like in the last year. Uh, yeah. So this is a, a little bit more unconventional relative to basically all the others that we've talked about uh, to date. Uh, you know, he's got a, a close friend, Jeremiah Wright, on the Auburn roster right now. Selma yeah. hasn't really had a lot of high-profile football recruits. I think Wright was the last one that came to mind for me in, in looking at uh, Dakari Nelson, but he's, he's also emerged around the same time Wright did, you know, as an upperclassman, uh, kind of out of nowhere. And, and then it's become this huge race for his services. I do think Penn State and Kentucky are interesting in this race. Uh, he has taken a couple, or he set a couple of visits to get up uh, to those programs. So if you're Auburn, you just need to get him back on campus because that's really been, um, kind of hard in this Nelson recruitment. Uh, maybe it's an official visit, uh, something of that nature, but, but you got to get him back on campus and go from there. There's, look, there's stability in the secondary for Auburn. Uh, you know, I think relative to other positions on that roster over the, the last few years, you have to feel better about recruiting defensive backs. Uh, if you're a Tigers fan, in-state kid, the connection to right, all those things withstanding, I do think that, Auburn's going to stay in the thick of this race, uh, but we just don't know a whole lot about Nelson's priorities in this thing. Does he does he want to travel? Does he want something outside the box? I mean, those things could factor in at the end of the day. But from an optical perspective, uh, you, you got to feel good about Auburn courting an in-state defensive back, where it's not this this heavy SEC battle. It's it's more of a regional battle. Uh, and I think that's where Auburn, you know, you talk about having to plant the flag. You also have to win the, I don't want to say a layup, but you have to win the recruits, the recruitments that are, are just a little bit more favorable relative to the competition. This is not a Jeremiah Cobb, Quay Rousseau, James Smith kind of recruitment. This is on that next tier. These are the ones that Auburn has won with the Nehemiah Pritchett's of the world, um, the Roger McCreary's of the world, great DBs that have come through in state as late risers just like uh, Dakari Nelson is. Uh, so I think those elements can be strong selling points as well. But you got to win those battles uh, just as much because that's how you build uh, the depth of, of a roster. And any in-state get in this cycle is big, Zach. I mean, it is the the defensive class uh, in the state of Alabama for this cycle. I mean, the defensive recruits are national for the most yeah. part. So as many of those as you can win, uh, the better for perception, which which helps you recruit everyone else. John Garcia, fantastic stuff as always. How can people read all the things that you have going on? Yeah, we're talking a lot of, of quarterbacks on SI.com right now. Two days in a row, I've written about Brock Glenn, Auburn's top quarterback target. So new offers in for him, new visits for him. Check it out at SI.com slash college. Yep, you won't regret it. That is John Garcia, our weekly guest and our recruiting insider.
We'll be back tomorrow right here on Locked on Auburn. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.